So you're an attorney and you've decided to go out on your own. Now what? You need a plan and you're not alone. Join expert host Adriana Linares and her distinguished guests on New Solo. Tune into the lively conversation as they share insights and information about how to successfully run your law firm here on Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. I'm Adriana Linares, a legal technology trainer and consultant. I help lawyers and law firms use technology better. Before we get started with today's guest, I want to make sure and take a moment to thank our sponsors. AnswerOne is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at answerone.com. And that's answerthenumberone.com. Want to make sure and thank our sponsor, Clio. Clio's cloud-based practice management software makes it easy to manage your law firm from intake to invoice. Try it for free at clio.com, and that's C-L-I-O.com. Unbundled Attorney is a premium lead generation service that delivers exclusive leads directly into your inbox in real time. Looking to get more leads and grow your practice? Visit unbundledattorney.com today. We've got a new sponsor, Law Clerk, where attorneys hire freelance lawyers. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase the profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. Greg? Good afternoon. Hey, well, I'm glad you're here. So, um, listeners, I've got Greg McLawson on as a guest today, who I hunted down through the social phenomenon that is Twitter. And Greg, before I tell everyone how and when and why I found you and asked you to come on the show, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your practice and yourself as a lawyer? So I sometimes um, refer to myself as a nomadic immigration attorney. I run a small immigration firm that's based in Seattle, Washington, and we work primarily with families in the immigration system. But maybe one thing that's a little bit different about what we do is we're almost entirely virtual and cloud-based in the services we deliver, our team is decentralized across um, different office locations, and I tend to be pretty nomadic myself. Um, just got back from Mexico City, split my time between Seattle and Vancouver with a uh, shout out to Cleo, who has graciously given me an office there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I spend uh, one or two months bouncing around somewhere in Asia with the family every year. So you totally gave away why I, you know, spotted you or just we've been following each other. I think, no, that's actually not true. I was following you on Twitter for a long time and really thought it was amazing that you're able to run your practice and be successful from anywhere in the world. And I wanted to talk to you about that. So having said all that, let me ask you just a couple of basic questions. Are you Canadian? Because you have a little (laughs) bit of a Canadian accent, but I'm not really sure. Well, I'm Cascadian. Cascadian, how interesting. Cascadian, yeah. Born and raised in the Seattle area. And, you know, many of us in this neck of the woods kind of identify ourselves with the swath of beautiful Pacific Northwest kind of running from British Columbia down to Oregon. So, no, not a Canadian. My son is a dual citizen, but I'm just just an American. Maybe us Southerners down here just think you Northwesterners have some sort of weird accent that sounds Canadian-like. <laughs> well, and also now that I um, hang out at Clio again, uh, this is the second time they've given me an office. You know, I try to go with the Vancouver pronunciation and try to buy a little credibility in their circles. 
Right, right. So tell me a little bit about that whole, so are you a Clio user? Yeah, we were, we've uh, been a Clio firm since we opened, see, about six years ago. Oh, good. So you've had them for a while. And then obviously you've developed a friendly relationship with them because I saw your tweet that said, hey, thanks, Cleo, for lending me an office while we're in Vancouver for a while. So how did that come about? I think it, it I mean, I don't want to toot the Cleo horn too ridiculously hard, but they're very, very, very customer driven organization. And that's something uh-huh. that I've tried to, to learn from with my own organization as well. But um, through knowing Josh Lennon, um, they brought me and, and later some other attorneys kind of into the fold there in the office and gotcha. gave us a, a desk. It's not even an office. They're all open office plan there. Mm-hmm. And the idea is kind of to put us into their environment so they can watch us work and see how we use the product, which is a value to them to be able to see how sure. actual users you know, interact with their product. And I think my, my question to you is, more along the lines of, so you're nomadic and you travel around and while you probably work pretty efficiently out of a coffee shop or out of your hotel room or out of your home when you happen to be at home, you have a relationship with someone who lends you an office. That means that your practice has to be mobile. And I assume that there are other occasions where maybe you put out there, whether it's intentionally or not, that you're visiting some city. And certainly somebody would say, hey, if you need an office, let us know. We've got a spare. You're welcome to come sit in here. And I think, again, like my questioning is, does that work for you? And your technology that you use and the way you've developed your law firm, which we're going to talk about more in a minute, must lend itself to that sort of lifestyle. Yeah, I wish I got these invitations more often. Um, oh, well, maybe you will now. <laughs> yeah, open invite to uh, to the world. Um, you know, usually when I'm setting up shop somewhere, you know, just to use the most recent example, we were in um, Thailand on the island of Koh Samui for, for all of February and a little bit more. Uh, definitely no U.S.-based law firms there. And so when we're setting up long-term, typically – I'll be sure to select an Airbnb or Verbo type option that has mm-hmm. something that can function as office space because I, I am kind of particular about work environment. And the tech part of it, which I guess we'll circle back to later, is really a piece of cake. I mean, it's, it's long been the case that setting up a virtual practice really involves tools that are off the shelf. You know, you really don't have to reinvent the wheel to um, have the mobile functionality. And as a consultant, I don't want you to reinvent the wheel. Right? I think, um, maybe that's a takeaway for listeners, which is it's hard to build a better mousetrap at this point and to be able to sort of test and test drive different software and services is going to be helpful in getting you to that place where building that mobile law office can be pretty easy. Let me back up a little bit then and ask you this. When you built sound immigration or or opened it up, was your goal to be this mobile or did your life somehow change and it became mobile and you had to adjust or was this the goal from day one? Yeah. I mean, um, you asked me very nicely by a Twitter private message if if we could kind of go personal, and if, if you want, I can kind of give oh, you the yeah. personal story of that. Well, I am a nosy host, <laughs> so any personal information you want to give us is always welcome. Yeah, I mean, let me just give you the, the real story because I think it is kind of important. I had wrapped up a two-year clerkship, uh, which sounds fancy, but definitely was not. This was at a small trial court here in Washington State uh, with a bunch of really great judges. Wrapped that up, um, worked briefly for a solo immigration practitioner and kind of decided that 
I thought there were a lot of things I could do better, um, which is, mm, you know, kind of sure. the arrogance that it takes to open a small practice, I guess. And it, it started off being a pretty traditional brick and mortar, but trying to uh, incorporate some creativity to make things more efficient and better for clients. But it was kind of a, you know, it was more or less heading along a trajectory to be just another firm. And um, kind of in that time frame, my father, who's a really wonderful guy, actually a software developer himself, killed himself. He took his own life. Oh my gosh. So, you know, that's a, it was a huge, huge wake up call to me. Wow. To, um, you know, really take stock and think big picture about, you know, what, what are we doing here? You know, what, what are we <laughs> going to use this life for? What's my life purpose? Yeah. I've had my, my midlife crisis without that sort of trauma for about six years now. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it's just so easy to make kind of one mundane decision after another. Yeah. And, and, and that ends up kind of becoming your trajectory. And right in this time frame, my wife got pregnant. And we pretty shortly after we discovered she was pregnant, we kind of sit down and kind of wanted to decide big picture, what are we going to do, you know, over the next 10 years? And we had traveled extensively before law school and decided that was going to be one of our main objectives that we wanted to make time for. So we, we had a beautiful house in Tacoma by uh, Pat Palace. I'm sure you know Pat. I love Patrick Palace. Yeah, Pat Palace. Mm-hmm. So we sold the house. We gave away almost all of our possessions or sold them. Wow. We uh, moved in with my mother who has a house up here in the Seattle area. And committed to traveling the world for at least one or two months every year. Wow. So, so to do that, I decided that from a professional standpoint, I was going to have to prioritize building the type of firm that would function in that setting. And is your wife uh, a lawyer too then? Uh, no, she, she would have been a, a brilliant litigator, but she is a forensic psychologist. So she does evaluations oh, for competency to proceed and in some other gotcha. legal contexts. Okay. And the part of her professional life that is compatible with travel is she has pretty quick cycle time for her work, so she can kind of turn on and off the spigot as she needs to. Amazing. Good for the both of you. That's a lot of really good circumstances coming together from a personal and professional perspective. So, all right, so this thing happens, you all take stock in your life, which thank you for sharing that incredibly, that's just very personal and I appreciate it because I think... You know, we both know a lot of lawyers and then people expect lawyers to be a certain way. And we forget that, you know, there's a lot of humanness that comes Mm -hmm. with being a lawyer. So um, anyway, uh, let's go back to you decided, okay, I've got to build this law firm and it's got to be pliable and mobile. Did you have employees and do you have employees and how many? Let's see. Um, I have no employees now. And (laughs) so briefly before this interview, can I go on a quick tangent? Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. So my, I just got back from Mexico, Don't make it Mexico quick. City. Okay. Um, so my stupid, uh, well, I love it, actually. My wonderful Asus laptop, it's computer, uh, sorry, it's a keyboard exploded before I left uh, for Mexico City last week. So I'm, I'm about to drop it off at a repair shop, and I'm trying to find another machine in my house that works. Um, one of those machines, this will get back to your question, was um, one of those terrible all-in-one HPs that, was, that were popular about five years ago. So that machine belonged to the last employee I swore I would ever hire. 
Um, it was a <laughs> receptionist who walked out on me um, with no notice one day. I guess actually she wasn't the last one. Um, I did have an associate after that, but kind of restructured my business so that we use exclusively contract labor now. So we have five attorneys, but they're all of counsel and engaged as independent contractors. Oh, interesting. Oh, good. And then our support team, um, it, we have Ruby, who I absolutely adore, with apologies yep. to your sponsor for, for receptionist. <laughs> and um, we have an outsourcing team based in Bangalore as well. So tell me a little bit so our listeners understand. I'm sure there must be a ton of attorneys that are interested in contracting other attorneys. How do you find them? get them on board? Do you give them Clio accounts or practice management accounts, whether it's Clio someone is using or, or something else? How do you actually get the work done? Are they the same contract attorneys every time? Or do you just kind of visit like walking into the buffet line for contract attorneys? <laughs> and you're like, well, that, that one looks good today. And well, that one looks a little dry. <laughs> and you know, the fact that there are contract attorneys has more to do with the nature of their compensation and the formalities of their legal engagement with their firm more than kind of how we find each other. So we, you know, we have a long-term working relationship together. It's, it's not like every time I have a new case, I go out there to the, you know, internet looking for another attorney. So these are, are folks that I have known for a long time and have okay. a, a long relationship with. So it's more like an of counsel relationship at a traditional firm, you know, where you would have sure. your guy or gal who you've known for 10 years and she's really great at, L1 visas. And so you hire her when you have another L1 come in the door. Okay. That makes sense. So they all have accounts on your various practice management programs or whatever technology it is that you use. Right. How do you share documents? Um, we have, well, it depends on what we're, we're doing, but Clio of course is our home base for LPM. Mm -hmm. And then we also have a Google suite that we'll use for internal templates and so forth. Excellent. That's very good. Amy, do you want me to just kind of run through the, the buffet line of our <laughs> different tech solutions? I would you... love that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so so the, the quick wrap-up is um, Clio is our hub for core LPM solutions. We use DocketWise, which is an API-integrated um, immigration form generation tool that works with Clio. Hold on. And so, yeah, let me just, for listeners who don't know what an API is. So what you're saying is DocketWise is a program that plugs into Clio and is able to grab information from there or push information into it. So they work right. together. I love making this an important factor in choosing practice management programs, whether they're traditional or new. You don't want to be trapped inside of a box. You want a box that has holes and allows the right information from other boxes to pass through those holes. And Clio made the, I think, absolutely brilliant decision to embrace integration and has a completely open API application programming interface so that it plays well basically with anything else that has open API because you can use Zapier or Zapier, I never know which one it is, to make Clio talk to other programs. So okay. for example, um, continue down the buffet line, we use Trello for um, Kanban-style project management for all of our cases. And Trello is, of course, also open API, so we can use Zapier to make it interact with client matters on Clio. And the other um, kind of core tool that we're built around is Slack. We've used Slack for a number of years now as an internal communication tool, kind of our digital water cooler. 
Yeah, that's great. Anything else? Well, you've got Ruby Receptionists, which while they aren't necessarily a technology company and probably much prefer us to refer to them as humans, they <laughs> also have an API. So the app for Ruby Receptionist works with Clio. I guess just to mention a fun one that I've been playing with recently and really haven't quite figured out how to use properly. I scorn the word leverage, so I won't be using that. Is Intercom. <laughs> so Intercom is really cool. It's a, um, a real-time chat tool that sits on the corner of your website, if, if that's where you wish it to be, and basically is a way to capture real-time traffic on your website. So mm-hmm. people click on the mm-hmm. icon and start a chat with the attorney. It's a really powerful tool. It's a little bit too powerful right now. I mean, we're not a super high volume website, but we get roughly 2,000 visitors a day. And a big enough slice of those are using the chat tool that it's kind of overwhelming and haven't really figured out how we're going to be able to <sighs> scale our use of that because I can't sit around and, and answer chats all day. But That I think was my question. Who answers mm-hmm. the chats? I, I have been now. Um, not because I think that's a sustainable long-term option, but because I want to learn more about how people yeah. are using it and the questions they're coming with. Sure. Um, but, it, but it's too much. I, I just can't handle it. Yeah, I use one called Zopum. There's tons of these for listeners who might be interested in having a live chat feature added to your website. Some of them are free and some of them cost a little bit of money. But the thing is, if you're going to turn on a live chat feature, you've got to have somebody there alive to chat with somebody who actually clicks on the button that says, hey, I have a a legal question or I have, in my case, you know, a technology consulting question. And we won't get into it in this conversation, but I do want anyone who's listening that's interested to learn more about chatbots. And we can mention Patrick again. Patrick Pallas of Pallas Law, also out of Tacoma and uh, Washington, has developed with a gentleman named Tom Martin, who does Lawbot. I I can't remember the yeah. name of that company. Yeah. Is it Lawbot? Lawbot, and yeah. he's also out of Vancouver. Oh, he is? Oh, he's cool. I should have him on the show. They developed the Patbot. <laughs> I think that's what they're calling it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So for those of you, again, that are listening and interested in this, just Google around. There's plenty of law firms that are either using a live chat or these chatbots are interesting because they're automated and they use some artificial intelligence on the back end that can sort of predict questions and or answers that users are putting in. Maybe for a couple of minutes, they don't realize that they're talking to a bot. But then the goal of that is, of course, to engage that visitor in a way where they become an actual client. So it's not as easy, like you said, or like you're making clear, it's not as easy as just turning on this feature on your website. Somebody has to be there to basically close the sale, whether it's a bot or a human. We do have a uh, chat bot as well. So, um, oh, you do? Oh, cool. Yeah, um, which got delayed a little bit because Facebook pulled the plug on all app integrations after they got caught being naughty. But yeah, we created, a, it's called Kestrel. It's a, basically a public beta at this point, but it's a, a chat bot that helps you screen for legal eligibility to pursue a marriage-based visa. And if any of your listeners want to play with the uh, development tool, it's free. It's really fun. It's called Chat Fuel. And if you go to our website, soundimmigration.com, there's a button on the top menu, and you can kind of play around with the bot and see what it looks like. It took me about eight hours to build, so it's super, super fast, and it's, uh, again, free. That's amazing. I'm going to go do that. And then I'm just going to sit there and wait till the live chat feature comes on. And I know you're sitting there. Uh, well, I, I was forced to unplug here. So 
don't catch me right now. <laughs> but so there are two different ones. There, there's the live, you know, chat with me feature, yep. and then there's the fully automated. It certainly doesn't qualify as a AI, but the automated chatbot as well. That's amazing. Well, that's great. And thank you for mentioning that and inviting people to come test it out on your site. <laughs> You're going to get please, all kinds please of break traffic it. on there. Please, yeah, that's great. That's very cool. Um, listen, l- let me take a quick break before we move on to the second segment of the show and hear a message from a couple of our sponsors. Law Clerk is where attorneys go to hire freelance lawyers. Whether you need a first year to perform legal research or a seasoned attorney to assist with a complicated appellate brief, Law Clerk has hundreds of freelance lawyers with every level of experience and expertise. There are no sign-up or monthly fees. Only pay the flat fee price you set. Increase your profits, not your overhead. Learn more at lawclerk.legal. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter AnswerOne Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. AnswerOne's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. AnswerOne helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWERONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a special offer. So we're back. This is Adriana Linares. I'm on with Greg McLawson today. Greg is a nomadic attorney based typically in the Northwest, somewhere between Washington and Vancouver, but you might find him on a beach. Hold on. He sent me a list of his recent trips. He was in, uh, hold on, stand by, Mexico City, Thailand, Bhutan, and Sikkim, Northeast India, drinking butter tea. Greg, you sent me this list of places where you had recently traveled to, and I thought it was hysterical that you went to Thailand for nothing more than ocean swimming, Bhutan for a marathon, Sikkim for butter tea, and Mexico apparently has good playgrounds. Mexico City has probably the best playgrounds I've ever seen anywhere. They're absolutely <laughs> epic. And I left I left Laos off the list. I forgot. We went uh, to Laos twice as well. For dinner? Um, what did we do there? Um, we ended up hiring a uh, four by four huge pickup. The, the roads in Laos aren't great, and we basically drove up to the area by the Chinese border and um, checked out open air markets. Laos is super super rural. You know, huh. about ten years ago, they really didn't have a road network, and Laotian cuisine involves a lot of foraged stuff. Wow, including uh, kind of nasty actually. Um, to a Western palate, but in the, uh, in one of the markets, I got what looked like grilled honeycomb, which sounds like the best thing ever. So it was honeycomb <laughs> wrapped in a banana leaf and put on a charcoal grill, which sounds like the best breakfast ever. Um, but I had forgotten that that time of year, the Laotian folks will harvest wasp nests. Mm. So my first gigantic bite revealed that this was actually grilled wasp larvae, which Mm. Uh, tastes absolutely nothing like honey, um, except it is also in a waxy comb. Not a fun mistake. Super weird, Greg. Yeah. How do you all pick where you're going to go? Is there a business occasion for going someplace or is it purely curiosity and desire to go or a combination? Yeah. N- so far, not usually a business objective. Sometimes we'll use that as a, you know, a happy coincidence. I've got a chance to speak on a conference on a cruise boat going to Mexico 
So, I mean, how can you awesome. say no to that? Yeah. But no, usually, usually it's just pure curiosity. We absolutely love Southeast Asia. Spent about a, a year in India. Totally love India. So it's, it's just driven that, by loving those areas. That's very cool. Do your clients generally know, care, or ask where you are? It must You must have a practice that doesn't lend itself to necessarily having to meet face-to-face with tens of people every week. So can you tell us a little bit about that, sort of the client experience? Yeah, I'll answer that in reverse order. So they never ask. (laughs) They never ask. They definitely don't care, um, but they do generally know. To be fair, my work is primarily not client-facing. So I'm primarily Mm -hmm. doing kind of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, like building chatbots and whatnot. Um, So it's primarily (laughs) the rest of the team that's doing direct client work, but they're almost always doing it remotely. So this morning I was talking to my attorney in um, Phoenix, Arizona, who is talking to a client elsewhere here in the United States. And he doesn't particularly care where she is. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's something I try to to repeat on the podcast a lot because a lot of lawyers, especially um, maybe older lawyers who are thinking about going out on their own or might even be considering retiring, but wondering if they can just sustain a a solo practice as a hobby. I don't even want to say that like it's lightweight, but I mean, you know, sometimes you just want to keep your brain operating. They worry that the clients are going to be concerned that they don't have an actual address, that they have an office set up in their home or in their vacation home. And very rarely have I talked to an attorney who says that their clients have complained about where they are, where they practice. As long as the work is getting done, the questions are getting answered. It just seems like, and I wouldn't, and remember, I'm I'm not a lawyer, so I always think as the client would, I couldn't give a crap where my attorney is going to be. As a matter of fact, I don't even care where my doctor is unless (laughs) I have a physical problem that requires my doctor to touch my body. You know, if I can explain to him or her what the problem is and they can solve my problem. I don't even want to see them. I don't even want to talk to their receptionists if I don't have to. And I tell my doctor that all the time, you know, when I'm there, I'm like, Hey, it was great to see you. I really hope I don't have to see you again for as long as it takes. So, you know, I feel like that's a thing that, that a lot of attorneys just forget. So to have someone again, reiterate that I think is always powerful. Couldn't agree more. I I mean, I think a lot of attorneys are worried about the perception Uh and I think it's, it's a little bit too self-focused and, you know, it's, it's attorneys getting a little bit too much up in their own head and, and forgetting that clients come to you because they want a thing done and that's what they're focused on. And if you can do the thing right. in a way that's fast and, you know, easy for the client, they could care less if you're sitting around in shorts, which I am now. I love that. And in Vancouver, no, wait, where are you, where are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm down in beautiful, beautiful Seattle now. Oh, yeah, but it's pretty there today. We're going to interview a new attorney for the firm today, uh, walking around a playground with our kids. Excellent. I love that. I love your life. Tell me about what's been a couple of the hardest things for you in developing a mobile virtual practice and office? Because it can't be all sunshine and puppies. Absolutely. I think the thing that I worry the most about and the thing that I feel I really haven't solved far very well is building the internal cohesion of our team. You know, developing an office culture that's really durable is Mm. is something that is a real challenge. To blow their horn once again, it's something Clio does super well. But Mm -hmm. trying to develop really core 
values with a team that never meets face to face is really tough. Fortunately, you know, I know each individual lawyer very well, so I know kind of their core professional ethos, which is very well aligned with my own. But still, building something that kind of lives and breathes by itself is difficult with the remote team. Wow, that's really interesting. Well, I'll have to have you back on a little later and see. Well, once you solve that problem, let me know so I can have you back on and you can tell everybody else how you figured that out because I'm sure that's a question every virtual or mobile lawyer yeah yeah it's a tough one i mean what what would qualify as success you know how would you measure what's your what's your kpi for office culture i yeah (laughs) anything else that's been sort of a pitfall that that's a really good one although it's certainly not insurmountable with all the technology and communication tools that are headed our way i'm sure you'll figure that one out do you do video a lot do you all use video conferencing a lot we don't as a team. Part of that is time zone. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's difficult for folks to block off, you know, a weekly time, which, which I did try to do for a little while. The other hard thing, candidly, it's the thing that every single solo and small firm deals with is just client acquisition. One thing that's mm-hmm. challenging for us is local marketing um, is hard, but it's a pretty manageable target. Our potential client base is so diffuse it's a different game to try to target folks who could be potentially, you know, anywhere out in the world. So that's, Mm. you know, certainly an ongoing struggle for sure. Very interesting. All right. Well, when you figure that one out, let me know. We can talk about both of those things in a follow-up podcast. Oh, hold on. Before we move on, let me take a quick break and hear a message from a couple of our sponsors. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With intuitive time tracking, billing, and matter management, Clio streamlines everything you do to run your practice from intake to invoice. Try Clio for free and then get a 10% discount for your first six months when you sign up with the code NEWSOLO10. That's NEWSOLO10. And do that at Clio.com, C-L-I-O.com. Are you a family law, immigration, or estate planning attorney looking to attract new leads and retain more clients? Join hundreds of other solos and small firms just like you who use Unbundled Attorney to receive premium, exclusive leads delivered directly into their inbox in real time. To learn more about how their lead generation services can grow your practice, subscribe to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast or visit unbundledattorney.com today. We're back. I'm Adriana Linares, and with me today is Greg McLawson. Um, I wanted to make sure that we close the circle on your technology. So it was Clio, DocketWise, which is specifically for immigration law. Is it that it right? is for for now, but I, I anticipate they'll probably um, branch out to other areas. Excellent. And you use Ruby Receptionist to help with answering phone calls and managing communications that come in through a main line. You've got a chat bot. You've got a live chat to help communication with clients and hopefully client acquisition. Once you get that streamlined, I bet that'll help. Anything else? I mean, it sounds like you're a Windows user. You're between laptops right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the the big one. And this is the most important piece of technology that we've ever adopted is the oh, use God. of, of uh, visual Drum project roll. management. Yeah, it's a freebie. Is um, 
visual project management using Agile and uh, okay. Kanban. You're going to have to really break that down. Yeah. Um, I will do that by deferring to someone else <laughs> who's the expert. I'm John Grant. Have you had John <laughs> Grant on? I think I have, actually. I love John okay. Grant. But yeah, let's give yeah. him a shout out and point to his website and tell people to learn more about what he helped you do. Yeah, basically, I mean, the, the long and the short of it is getting all of your actionable to-do items out of your head and out of the interminable hell of to-do lists and putting so them into... So hard for lawyers to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's, so, it's so easy. Hard. It's, they oh, think God, it's hard, but all they you. have to do... Say that again. It's so easy. Just get a freaking stack of post-it notes. I'm, I'm looking at my wall right now. I'm, I'm working on a project and there are about 100 sticky notes. And the simplest approach is you break it into three columns, doing things you're waiting on and things that are done. <laughs> and every post-it note goes into one of those columns. Like you're physically moving post-it notes. You're physically moving post-it notes. <laughs> um, when we adopted this for our client management, we broke the case life cycle into are we waiting on an attorney for something? Are we waiting on a paralegal? Are we waiting on the client for something? Is the case filed? Every client matter got one post-it note and we put them up on the wall. And a wonderful insight we got from that immediately was that clients were our, our bottleneck in the production cycle. Oh. So basically the reason that client matters weren't moving faster is because clients weren't getting back to us. And mm -hmm. that's neither a good nor a bad thing, but it told us that the thing we needed to solve for if we wanted faster cycle time with our cases was making it easier for our clients to get documents back to us. So I want to know if you solved that problem or are in the process of solving it by using a client portal, because I love client portals and I wish more lawyers used them. Yeah, we use Clio Connect exclusively mm -hmm. for getting client documents. And it's not a technology problem so much. And, you know, using Clio Connect is quite easy. It's really a client management issue. And dealing with getting clients to adhere to the behavior of using the tool versus defaulting to email, which is a horrendous idea for your emailing secure right. doc, social There's security a million reasons. numbers. Yeah. Right, right. There's a million reasons emailing and texting and phone calls isn't the best way to communicate with clients. But of course, it's the way we do it. So let me just unwind this a little bit, hoping that you'll say the things I want you to say. So listeners <laughs> will, will hear. <laughs> Because this is how I would do it, but I hope this. When you engage a client, do you explain to them, by the way, for security and efficiency purposes, this is the way we want you to upload and download documents. It's so easy. If you can put pictures of your kid's quinceanera on Facebook, you can use this client portal. Do you make that expectation clear from the beginning? Do you show them how it works? Like, how do you get them? I know not every client's going to use this. I, I get that. But if you could get even six out of 10 to use something like this, it must help. So how do you, how do you make that happen? Yeah. So this is codified in our office manual and the office oh, manual excellent. is actually a website, very quick deviation. If, if anybody is building an office manual, I'd suggest checking yes. out Google. Uh, I think they just call it Google sites. You can build a mm -hmm. super basic um, internal secure website and it's much, much easier for your team to navigate around the website than it is dealing with a long like Word document or PDF document. But in that office manual website, uh, we have, first of all, a description of how to explain the value of 
the secure portal to the clients, and then kind of also an intervention protocol if they, if they insist on <laughs> you know sending documents. Bad client. Yeah, kind of a you know, suggested bullet point of here's why you might not want to do that. Oh, that's great. I love that. And let me also just clarify in case listeners are not sure what Google Sites is. You must then be a Google Apps for Business firm, right? Yeah, I, you know, it seems to change its name every month or two, but oh, yeah, yeah G Suite. Google Suites, yeah. G-Suite. Okay, so your email and calendaring and services that a lot of people use Office 365 for, and it doesn't have to be a, a this or a that. A lot of us use both. But for you, your firm is then rooted in G Suite, and then part of that service is this internal website was basically like an intranet and it's called Google sites and you could just go in there and make it an information portal for internal employees or people. That's exactly right. It's just an internal facing website. And you reminded me by referencing Google calendar. um, We also use a tool called schedule once for a client scheduling, which integrates very nicely with outlook and Google. Yeah, that's another thing I just want to take a minute to say out loud because a lot, this is confusing. The Office Suite stuff can be confusing. So I'm a Google, I'm a G Suite user too. So LaTeX Partners, my little company and our email and calendaring and all that stuff runs through Google. I also though have an Office 365 account so that I can have Microsoft Office on all my devices, including my PC and my Mac. And I love Outlook. I cannot live without Outlook. And I don't care what anybody tells me. I'll go fist to cuffs on anybody that tries to tell me that the interface is less efficient than trying to use three different screens in Google. So I, I kind run... of feel like we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> oh, God. You, and who's next? Sam Glover? Let's get him into this conversation because he's another one. So I love Outlook because I want to be able to drag and drop information. I want to take an email and I want to move it onto my calendar. And I want a new person that lands in my inbox to easily become a contact. So I love Outlook. And then in a minute, we're going to talk about why you can't be friends. But the point is you can have Google or G Suite, Google running the back end of your business and still use Outlook as your email client if you would like. Now, Greg, what do you use? I, of course, of course, use Google Suites directly. So email is is Gmail. I'm going to start torturing you by asking you for things like send me a VCF. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so that you purposefully have to step on like 20 clicks in order to just send me somebody's contact card. No, I'm kidding. I have not once had that use case scenario. Oh my God. I do that all day long. That's so funny. Well, anyway, we could talk about that all day long. And here's what I have to say about technology. I don't care what people use. I just want them to use it well and safely. So um, however, whatever combination of technology you pick off of the buffet line, I just want to make sure that it's efficient and secure and you're using it really well. And I should make my core point, which is I absolutely detest with a capital D email. I had made a very strong push to completely divest myself from email a couple years ago, which wasn't quite possible, but we have almost a, a no email policy at the firm. So usually I'll that. get fewer than two work-related emails within the firm each uh, week. So all your communications pass through <clears throat> Clio Communications, Client Portal, and Slack? Right. It, it goes to the tool that makes the most functional sense for whatever type of communication is happening. So people default to email without thinking, 
what is this communication for and what's the best way to manage the information I'm trying to communicate? So if, if we're having a roundtable powwow discussion of the firm, we'll go into a Slack channel. If we're trying to document something that's happening on a case, we'll make an annotation in Trello. Or if a client's communicating with us, we want it on the client portal so it's secure and it sticks with their client matter. But we don't just dump everything into the you know, unholy inbox of an email account. I think we just caused like car accidents and slip and falls all over this country with lawyers hearing you say that. <laughs> my clients will never do that. And my team has to have emails the only way. No, it's not. You're just being lazy. <laughs> and stuck. And I think that's so true because everyone hates email. I think I do more email management training than anything else. And the biggest problem is you use your inbox like it's the dumping ground yeah. for everything, including eBay and Southwest and Facebook and LinkedIn. I'll tell you, I see some inboxes, uh, lawyers' inboxes that have, this is not even a lie, 60,000 items in that inbox. I know. Oh, God. Are you there? Mm -hmm. Knock, knock. Greg, you with me? You with me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's really horrifying. What I tell clients, you know, with respect to using Clio Connect is they're communications are the most important thing that transpires at our law firm. You know, the whole reason we exist is to serve them and make sure that we're hearing what we need to hear from them. And so we don't want their communication dumped into the same pile as, you know, ads for pizza and the latest offer from the haircutting salon. Right. You know, we want to give them their own, <laughs> their own place for their information to live. I think that's really smart. I totally love that. And I hope that some lawyers hear this, maybe even their paralegals and their secretaries and start to <laughs> see some light. I mean, that's sometimes where I have to go to make change in a law firm and see the light that that's really true. And I like the way you explained it, that if y'all are having a conversation about something, let's go into a Slack channel, which is essentially a virtual conference room. It's basically like saying, hey, guys, let's grab this empty conference room over here and hash this out in a way that makes sense instead of going round and round in email. Bingo. So hopefully that will, you know, and Slack's an interesting tool. It's still a little bit newish and, a, you know, I can say that to a group of lawyers and most of them have heard the word, but they don't know necessarily how it works and what it is. So I'd encourage listeners to learn a little bit more about that. So before I let you go, Greg, I just want to, first of all, thank you, of course, for your time. Sounds like you're very busy with your life and your practice and obviously very successfully. And I love hearing these stories. Make sure you tell us real quick, if you don't mind, how people can find, friend, or follow you on the internet. Yeah, um, probably easiest way is on the Twitter. And I am at McLawson, M-C-L-A-W-S-E-N. And no email, right? Yeah, let's we'll stay so off email. You must have died when I hit you up on Twitter and I was the opposite of you. I was like, oh, I don't look at Twitter that often. Can I email you? You must have been like, oh, this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, made it, we made it to the email part of our friendship, so that's okay. We did. Okay, next we're going to you know, battle out the Outlook thing in another conversation. Well, Greg, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Thanks a lot. And uh, enjoy the spring transitioning into summer here. Oh, definitely. I think the whole it, country is welcoming that. Yeah, I mean, it's a fun time of year up here in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Not quite so sure about New Orleans, but have fun. Yeah, it's about 95 and 100% humidity right now. But you know what? That's why we live here. We love 
swarming termites and cockroaches down here. It's just the best. Nothing a nice <laughs> cold hurricane can't fix for you. Right. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the new solo on Legal Talk Network. If you like what you've heard today, I'd love for you to subscribe via iTunes or wherever it is that you pick up your podcasts. If you have a minute, please give us a rating on iTunes and see you next time. Remember, you're not alone. You're a new solo. Thanks for listening to New Solo with host Adriana Linares. Tune in again to learn more about how to successfully run your new practice. Solo, here on Legal Talk Network. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.